0: Next on BYU Sports Nation, the silver linings playbook of the National Invitation Tournament. What's the best part about BYU basketball's likely inclusion in the NIT?
1: Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report thinks highly of Jamal Williams. Where does he think he'll go in next month's NFL draft? Plus, the head coach of BYU baseball, Mike Littlewood, on what has to
0: change for the Cougars to rediscover the winning mojo. Let's go.
2: This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Cast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason
0: Shepard. Hey, the party's here on the west side. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, March 10th. Great to have you with us wherever and however you are dialed in. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man... Who will test his arm today, throwing out the first pitch, oh. Jason
1: Shepard. Yes, today is the day. BYU baseball with the doubleheader, and I get to throw out the first pitch of game one. And we have lined up our photographer. Yes, you guys have made this, like, you guys have taken my stress level from here. Like, basically, we've cranked it up to 11. Because hey, let's <laughs> make it a 12 after the show today, right? I mean... As if there wasn't enough pressure. You guys are now going to bring the camera. We're talking about doing like a a walk-off interview. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a pre-throw interview and a walk-off interview. What's
2: what's the worst that could happen, Jason?
1: (laughs) Oh, there's a lot. Honestly, I got home from the baseball game last night. So it was like 9.30 when I finally got home. My son was watching TV. I'm like, get your glove. We're going outside. It's like, dark. (laughs) I flip on the backlights, and I'm, like, get the measuring tape out to, like... And the measuring tape's only 25 feet, Uh so I had to double it and then walk back a little bit further. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, like, just hucking baseballs at my (laughs) 14-year-old son at, like, 9.30 last night. (laughs) Get that arm loose. I I, I gotta say, and I'm not just saying this, because I can't prove it. I got it to him every time. And every time, it was in the zone. Hey, that's great. So... Practice. What about when everybody's got their eyeballs on you? You guys can show up a little late to the game today. <laughs> Make sure you go, but just show up a little late. Oh, I've gone through it, so I have zero sympathy for you.
0: I know exactly what you are feeling right now. Oh, man. Just don't Jerem Jordan it,
1: okay? Oh, I know. I know. Don't put it seven feet in front of the catcher and one-hop it. Well, what, what made that even worse was the, the this pre-throw where he was like, shaking people off like he built it up. Yes. He did the Hideo Nomo. Yeah. Just get up there, throw the ball. Don't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. We will have the goods for you later this well, I afternoon. Hope so. Okay, so we had a funny question come up the other day in one of our pre-production meetings and I'm looking for some clarity on this because there's still no definitive answer and I'm dead serious when I ask this, okay? little backdrop. My five-year-old Jax is hilarious, and he will always come in in the morning because he wants to play Angry Birds on my phone. But he's so stinking cute that I can't say no, especially when he walks in with tube socks up to his (laughs) knees, rocking his Paw Patrol or, uh, I I don't know, some sort of character of Mickey Mouse underwear, okay? (laughs) Just like, you laugh at him because it's cute, right? It's cute when they're five. It's cute. He's super funny. And it's like, oh, of course, yeah, you can. And we laugh about it. At what age does that become not okay, not cute?
1: (laughs) That's a great (laughs) question. Uh, I think society lets you know when it's... (laughs) I think it's based off of the looks that you get when you're doing it. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what age you stop, but what I've come to realize in things like that, things that are cute and funny only because you're little aren't cute and funny again until you're really old. (laughs) It's like both ends of the spectrum. You can get away with it when you're really young and get away with it when you're really old. So if you're 80-plus and you answer the door and tube socks up to your knees. I'm thinking single digits, it can be kind of cute. Okay. Uh, And then probably not again until you get your AARP card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, we'll make that the unofficial... (laughs) Official BYU Sports Nation answer. Yeah. All right. The AARP card is required. (laughs) And even then, it's still, there's some gray area there,
1: right? Right, yes, yes. The cops will be paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) The things
0: that are discussed in the morning meeting are fantastic. Uh. Clearly. Happy Friday, everyone. On that note, bring on the headlines.
2: It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines.
0: BYU football continues today, day six of spring practice. Associate or assistant head coach Ed Lamb, I should say, yesterday on BYU Sports Nation said, the team is specifically striving to improve in two areas.
3: We're striving for technical mastery and scheme mastery.
0: And that, you know, by striving, I mean we're trying to improve in those two areas. I amen to that. Just get better, BYU football. A week from today, the Cougars will hold a public
1: practice in sunny St. George, Utah. I'm expecting a big turnout for that. I think I know fans uh, down there are pretty excited for that. Right. BYU baseball lost 10-8 to last night against UC Santa Barbara in their home opener. Maverick Buffo got the start, had six strikeouts in five and a third. The Batcats play a doubleheader today against the Gauchos at 4 p.m. Eastern time and then 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. Head coach Mike Littlewood will join us in about 25 minutes coming up right here on BYU Sports Nation. Batcats trying to figure out how to win those close. Games That has been the theme for
0: them all season. Third-ranked BYU men's volleyball in Malibu against ninth-ranked Pepperdine tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern. The Waves, coming off a bye week, have lost four of their
1: last five matches and trying to take down the third-ranked Cougars. In the first of two final home meets for BYU Gymnastics, the team hosts Arizona tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time. On the show yesterday, freshman gymnastics star Shannon Hortman said BYU Gymnastics showed that they can perform not just in practice, but in the meets.
2: In workout, we're incredible. We hit and we stick, and then when it comes to competition, it doesn't really show, so I think it was really exciting to be able to show my teammates that like, you guys are good enough. We are good enough. Yeah. This is this is what BYU gymnastics really looks like.
1: She was fantastic yesterday. If you missed that interview, I, I highly recommend going back and finding it uh on the apps uh, or online and, and get the podcast for that. Cause she was, she was fantastic. You can watch the meet live tonight on BYU TV. You can also stream it on BYU TV.org as well as the apps.
0: Three time mountain rim gymnastics conference performer of the week as a freshman out of American Fort Utah, huge personality, Shannon Portman, bouncing bundle of energy <laughs> in the gym. Also, Bouncing bundle of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, she was she was great. Needless to say, she'll be back on the program at some point. Rise and shout. Time for what's trending, brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority.
2: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU the Sports Nation.
0: NIT Silver Linings Playbook. BYU basketball for all intents and purposes likely headed to the National Invitation Tournament. If that invitation comes to fruition on Sunday, and it will, it will mark the first time in the Dave Rose era, 12 years, that BYU has missed the NCAA Big Dance and gone to the NIT in back-to-back years. It's not the objective when the season starts, obviously. But it's reality now, and now that the Cougars are likely there, why not embrace it? and make the most of it which they have done in their most recent trips both going to Madison Square Garden to the final four of the NIT that was fun right absolutely making the most of it
1: still a lot of high expectations were dashed this year right yeah i mean that's we talked we mentioned the word expectations so much <laughs> this year in reference to BYU basketball managing them equals happiness yes absolutely and that brings us to today's Twitter question. What is the silver lining of BYU playing in the NIT? Our first tweet comes from at Nick Lee51. Playing more basketball and having something other than the countdown to football to talk about. Oh, and bring on Utah. Yeah, point Nick Lee. Hey, speaking of the countdown, oh, don't do it. it. Don't
2: do it. Countdown to the Vikings.
1: 169.
0: I'm solo today, man. What so? You were all on board yesterday. You're solo today. Solo, solo today.
1: There are people turning off the television. <laughs> I, had guy, I had a guy yesterday walk over to Miller Park with me. We crossing. First of all, he asked me how my shin was doing. And so thank you. It's, it's better. Okay. So yeah, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm very pro countdown. Oh. My yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch his name, so I it's, can't give him a personal shout divisive. out. It's divisive.
0: Have we totally disregarded the democracy that <laughs> voted down the countdown
1: on election day? Yeah, I again, or the was, electoral college said the countdown <laughs> is is good. Okay. Oh my goodness! All right, stay with us. Those that are not pro <laughs> countdown, stay with us. BYU
0: Sports Nation. What is the silver lining of BYU basketball playing in the NIT?
1: How did we go from that to the countdown so fast? <laughs> hey, they brought it up. Who knows? Maybe we wouldn't even got to the countdown today. They bring it up. That I go there. That escalated
0: quickly. That escalated quickly. All right. With that nonsense out of the way, let me remind you what I feel the NIT is in comparison, in real-world terminology. Okay? Oh, I'm excited for this. The NIT is McDonald's. Ooh. You don't really want to go there, but after a long road trip and it's late, it's the only thing open, you kind of are like, okay, uh, I'll embrace it, and we're going to go to McDonald's. Does the NIT have a dollar menu? Probably. Because yeah. I could go for a spicy McChicken yeah, right that's, now. Yeah, that's your first round game, right? <laughs> yes. That's your first round game.
1: Very nice.
0: you got to win a couple of games before you can get to those premium Angus beef burgers. That is a really good analogy you just made. The NIT is McDonald's. Not a lot of people are like, yeah, let's go to McDonald's. Well, but if it's the only option, then well Brian Logan's like, yeah, let's go to McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> is there a playland in here? He's always been pro NIT. But if you get there and it's the only thing open, why not take a look at the whole menu, embrace it, and try and make the most out of it. And you might find something good. You might actually
1: like it, right? The yogurt parfait might hit home. Oh. You can stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really wanted to go to McDonald's. It's it's what's
0: happening, okay? If that's the only thing that's open, and it's not awful, right? It's still food. There are still some healthy options. It's good
1: stuff. There's a silver lining to that. Yes, yes. This is the way I look at it. And we have this conversation Going into a bowl game as well it 's very much like a bowl game. you hear coaches say it 's an opportunity for us to play another game yes it 's an opportunity and sometimes even more than just the game it 's an opportunity for us to get more practice absolutely time. That, that that cannot be a negative at all again it 's not where you wanted to be, but there are pluses and and we were we brought this up uh, our, our producer ben Bagley you know brought this up and he and he may have been Quoting something that Jeremy said on the show, I, I can't remember how it got brought up, but he was, you know, like you, you may actually have more of a chance to practice in the NIT than going to the NCAA tournament. Like there may be there may be more practice time that you can utilize, and, and so that can't be that can't be a bad thing. Okay. The, the other thing is you you've got to look at the NIT as a springboard for next year. Naturally, I mean, the core of this team is back, and this can be used as a confidence builder heading into the off season because you certainly do not want The very poor showing against St. Mary's to be the lasting impression, that bad taste you have in your mouth as your last game of this season. It's funny that you bring up
0: St. Mary's because last season, St. Mary's was a two seed in the NIT and went to the final four in New York, just like BYU. They flipped the script this year and improved drastically, right? Now they are pacing to be a projected sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. They got the invitation to Roos Chris Steakhouse this year, okay? (laughs) They made the most of McDonald's last year, used it as the springboard, and now they're headed to Roos Chris. That's where BYU basketball wants to be, so the Cougars can do like St. Mary's. The opportunity is there to utilize this time And get better. So I agree with you on those points. Most importantly, Jason, BYU will have a chance to play at home likely again. And when the Cougars can get back in the Marriott Center in the NIT, that has meant very, very good things. Which brings us to our stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day.
0: BYU is eleven and one in home NIT games. 11 and 1. 11 and 1, folks. Just 1 and 5 in road NIT games. By the way, latest NYC Buckets Bracketology has BYU as a three seed, potentially playing in the quarterfinals against the four seed Utah for a chance to play in NYC. And that game would be at the Marriott Center. It would be a home game.
1: That is the best of both worlds. So
0: there is that. What's Trending brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Coming up, more of these silver linings of BYU playing in the NIT. Perhaps you feel strongly there isn't one. We want to hear about it. Baseball coach Mike Littlewood will join us, but first we talk to Bleacher Reports' Connor Rogers about Jamal Williams and Harvey Longy's draft stock after the Combine.
2: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
0: Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. This is Radio Vision, conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. The hashtag BYUSN is how you make your voice heard even more. Before we get to a tweet answering what is the silver lining of BYU basketball playing in the NIT... Jason, remind the people that this is game day for a few clubs today. Uh,
1: It is indeed. Baseball playing a doubleheader against UC Santa Barbara. First game is at 4 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. We will also have a game tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time, which you can see on BYU TV. We will have the head coach of the BYU baseball team, Mike Littlewood, joining us in our next segment. More game day
0: notes coming up in our headlines and in the Cougar Whip Around. What is the silver lining of BYU playing in the NIT at OK level? Says, clearly the chance to play and beat the Utes and the chance to go to New York for the tournament finals. If that happened, just if the game happens at all, the I think that the NIT would be a huge success. Just
1: get to that point. Just give me an opportunity. <laughs> There's so many things that could happen Of a positive nature with that game being played. (laughs) And of a not-so-positive nature. Yes.
0: (laughs) Please let that happen. Oh, rivalries for the win. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as we switch from basketball back to football is Connor Rogers, NFL draft analyst, expert, again, of Bleacher Report. Connor, nice to have you on the show.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How's it going?
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Your uh, bio says you are a former USAPL competitor. That means you were a powerlifter. How is it that you got into that? And we want to know, what is it like to be a strong guy? Because that that's something that we're still striving for.
3: Well, it's kind of funny because even smaller guys can power lift. When I was in college, uh, I went to Albany, in, you know, Albany University in New York. And You know, the guys at the gym I went to wanted me to get into it. They needed a guy in one of the lower weight classes. I was probably about 160 pounds at the time, and they wanted a guy to compete in 148. And, uh, you know, I wasn't playing sports anymore, and, you know, obviously you can't just study 24-7. So I started powerlifting there and competed a couple of times at 148, which is a nightmare of a weight class to get down to when you're a 18- to 22-year-old college male that just wants to be drinking beer and eating terribly. But, uh, yeah, I did it for about a year and a half or two years very competitively, and it was awesome. And the good thing about being down 148 is I think uh, the competition wasn't as brutal as the guys that are about 185. So, you know, came away with a couple first-place finishes and had a really good time doing it.
1: So what was the, what was the, the most you ever lifted?
3: Uh, I was a 400-pound deadlifter, about a 255 <laughs> bencher, Agreed. and you know squat probably about 275, and. You know, right now I'm, I'm back up to 170, 175. So still doing those lifts, just about 30 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> well, Connor
0: Rogers well has done. now taken his powerlifting skills to analyzing the NFL and specifically the NFL draft and combine. How did that transition take place? What what got you into the NFL and and the passion going for uh, scouting players and and what teams want to do with the NFL draft?
3: Well, of course, I'd always been a fan of the NFL, and you know, when I went to school, I was actually in the business school at Albany, but I like to write on the side. So, you know, I picked up a minor in English. Uh, I didn't study journalism. I just, listen, it's great if you go to a school with a great journalism program, but I felt like I got a little more out of the business program while I was at Albany. But I was still writing on the side. There were so many opportunities, and there still is now. But even back then, just to, you know, freelance, be a freelance blogger, I got to, you know, kind of help cover the Jets and their angle of the draft for a long time. Uh, When I came out of college, rather, you know, accepting jobs in the business field, I picked up a researcher position at Bleacher Report, You know, because it's kind of hard to pass that up when you can work in football when you're a 22-year-old kid right out of college. So, you know, I took a swing at that, and uh, I've kind of just worked my way up here and, you know, started writing for them and working very closely with Matt Miller. And it's honestly been a blast. I I love it. It And it's turned into a year-round media coverage, which is not what it always used to be.
1: The highest profile BYU Cougar entering the draft is Jamal Williams, and you have him as number five in your top five running backs. What is it about Jay Swag Daddy that you like?
3: Well, it's funny because I actually wrote a really long piece on him for FanRag Sports back in October before he kind of blew up. I think people had known he was a successful player for them for a couple of years and a year off and came back and was tearing it up again. And that was when it, you know, I kind of got welcomed to the BYU family, which is honestly it, one of the hardest things about covering the draft. It can be dealing with college fans if you don't <laughs> necessarily love their, their players. <laughs> and with BYU, it's been the opposite because here I was watching this guy, and I was like, this is, you know, the best top five running back that nobody's talking about. And I literally think that's, that's part of the headline of the piece. And instantly I started tweeting out clips of him, and once it picked up a little traction in the BYU community – you really know, I left my DMs open. People were DMing me, do you think he can get drafted? Do you think he can go in the day two of the draft? And I love this kid. I don't understand why people are overthinking this. And I understand, listen, he's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's not going to be the fastest guy in a straight-line speed. But there are so many starting running backs in the NFL that aren't necessarily fantastic at that either. And when you watch him play, he's a workhorse. And he's proven that. Three seasons at BYU over 1,000 yards. The guy is just an absolute workhorse back there. He can pass, protect. He has great lower body power, leg drive. He can catch the ball. He's obviously excellent in the red zone. I don't really know what questions people can raise about him. He's obviously not a Leonard from Net. He's not a Christian McCaffrey. But if you're looking for a guy that has a chance to be a starting running back when you're picking in the third round, fourth round of the draft, I have a feeling he's going to be sitting there and make a team really happy. So
0: if I were to ask you today if the NFL draft were happening in the next 24 hours, where Jamal Williams would get drafted in terms of a round and selection, where would you essentially put your money on that pick?
3: I would take him on the second day of the draft. Just from people I've talked to, it sounds like he's going to sit right between that fourth and fifth round range. And There's a couple of factors that go into that. Number one, is a lot of people know, this is an excellent running back class. And that, that's just, you know, a beauty and a beast at the same time because obviously there's so much talent there, but players like Jamal get pushed down. We're in a normal year. They can go 70, 50 to 70 selections higher than that. You know, number two, the, the value of the running back position, I think, has crashed in the NFL. As we're seeing in free agency right now, nobody is spending money on running backs. And there are some good running backs out there right now. I mean, we, nobody wants to spend money on guys like Adrian Peterson, Latavius Murray, Jamal Charles. Some of them are at the back end of their career. But at the end of the day, it's just easier to go to the draft and get a running back later on. And that's why I say just because he's not sitting in everybody's top 50 or top 100 prospects doesn't mean that he's not going to be an NFL starter. And I also think the value with him is, is that he's pro-ready. There's no questions about him being able to get on the field right away.
1: So you don't think that, I mean, because let me, let's be honest, Ezekiel Elliott's a, a special talent, but you don't think what he did last year with the Cowboys is, I don't know, ramping up the interest in running backs this year?
3: I think it's a bit of an outlier because of the situation. I think it's hard to take a running back in the top five or top ten. And when you look at the Cowboys across the board, you know, obviously before the Tony Romo injury and even after it, they had an answer at quarterback. They had an answer at all five offensive line spots and they had an answer as at number one wide receiver and they were slowly building that defense. They didn't really have anything at running back. So when you look at, you know, taking the best player available, you can take a running back. Now a lot of teams aren't in the Dallas Cowboys shoes where they have that offensive line build. They need to spend the the premium picks on premium positions. It's simple as that. So they're a bit of an outlier, and that's where it kind of hurts even guys like Leonard Fournette that could fall out of the top ten. When you're talking about overall top ten talent, they should definitely be there.
0: Connor Rogers, NFL draft analyst from Bleacher Report, with us on BYU Sports Nation. How loaded is this year's draft at the running back spot specifically?
3: I mean, it's a great crop when you look across the board, and it's an interesting crop because you have a guy like Leonard Burnett. Like I said, he's a top-ten player in the class and is going to go in the first round. You have somebody like Christian McCaffrey, who is also probably going to go in the first round, and a totally different running back, versatile. I mean, obviously you guys have seen him. He's just a special dynamic threat. And then you have a lot of interesting players. Joe Mixon, the off-field issues are so concerning. If he didn't have those, he'd be a top-20 lock, I think. He's that kind of talent. But the off-field issues are probably going to push him to the end of round two or early round three. Dalvin Cook didn't test well at the NFL Combine, but when you watch the tape, I mean, he's a fantastic player. He can create on his own. I think he could do a little bit of everything, and he had home run speed on the field. He didn't show it in Indianapolis at the Combine, but when he puts the pads on, it's there. And then you get into the next tier backs. You have guys like Jamal, Alvin Kamara, you know, Curtis Samuel. These guys listen. They're starting running backs that are going to be there in rounds four and rounds five, which. Is absolutely insane, but it goes to show you how deep this class runs.
1: The combine is always a tricky thing. You know, some people put all the stock in it, some try and diminish it a little bit. Um, how do you believe Jamal's performance at the combine either helped or hurt his draft stock? And also, uh, Harvey Longy is the other uh, BYU player that if there's going to be another one drafted, it's probably going to be Harvey. Uh, what about his performance at the combine? What are you hearing about him?
3: Well I think with Jamal coming into it, I think his goal was to be under four six because like I said, people knew this isn't a guy that's gonna be a straight line runner. So he needed to get under four six and he got four five nine. So I think he stays right where teams had him. I don't think anything changes. I think his testing matched what you saw on tape. You know, you can't ask a guy that specialty isn't straight line speed. To go run a 4 four forty at the NFL Combine, it's not fair. So you don't change or move your grade. You just need him to get below a, You know, there's a threshold for everything. And for a running back, you'd like them to be under four six five. And, you know, he got there. So I think he'll be just fine. And then when you look at Harvey, he's one of the more interesting players on, you know, the very, very late rounds of this draft because they've asked him to do so much at BYU, as you guys know. He's moved around. I, I thought he could be a really good middle linebacker. Then he played on the edge a bit. And the bottom line is, and he's a good athlete. He and he showed that at the combine. I mean, he was a top performer in not only the 20 yard shuttle but also the 60 yard. So I think when you look at him, you know, you have the physical makeup to be a very effective special teams player. And it just depends on the fit. Can he find a job as a backup linebacker? Of course. But you know, you land in a spot like New England where they coach up special teams, and you just need to be an athlete like Harvey is. I think he could be. I think he's going to get drafted too. I, you know, I talk to a lot of BYU people that are very interested in Jamal. And they want to know, hey, can Harvey get drafted? And I said, yes, definitely. Sixth, seventh round. Teams value special teams, I would say, more than ever right now. You need guys that can run down the field, cover kicks. If he's willing to make that adjustment, he has definitely a good shot to make it in the NFL.
0: Everybody wants to know what a good fit is for these BYU guys. And maybe you haven't thought to this degree, or maybe you have, but... With Harvey maybe going to the Patriots or a team like that on special teams, what about Jamal? What would a good fit for Jamal Williams be if he wants to have a significant role in the NFL?
3: I don't think he has to stray too far where I'm located. I think the New York Giants are a perfect fit for him. I mean, you know, obviously they've cleared their running back depth chart a bit. They haven't been overly active. Adrian Peterson was being linked to them before for agency. It doesn't seem like there's any interest there. They took another good running back on day three of the draft last year and Paul Perkins, and he was effective when he got the ball last year. He's a totally different runner than Jamal. He's elusive. He's a quick guy in space. You know, Jamal can be that power workhorse kind of guy. You, you Listen, they're just looking to build, you know, a trio or, you know, some kind of duo of running backs. And that's a place where he wouldn't be asked to take on a very, very heavy workload right away, but he would still be able to get on the field right away. And I think what Ben McAdoo there, They just got a very good blocking wide receiver and overall wide receiver, and Brandon Marshall to pair with Odell Beckham. They're going to try to get the most out of Eli Manning that they can at the tail end of his career. I just think that's a great fit for him.
0: Contributor for USA Today Sports, NFL draft analyst for Bleacher Report, Connor Rogers. Hey, we appreciate the time, Connor, and the insight into Jamal Williams and Harvey Long, and uh, we obviously are watching very closely. If you couldn't tell, BYU Sports Nation is very invested in what these two guys are doing.
3: Yeah, you guys are great. Thanks for having me on. It was good talking to you. You got it. Thanks, Connor. Connor Rogers
0: on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. The New York Giants. That's not bad. The G-men. I <laughs> the New York football
1: Giants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just want Jamal Williams to have an opportunity to run the ball behind somewhat of a successful offensive line.
1: We just want what Jimmer never had when he got yes. drafted. Go to a good situation. It's Go all to about a situation that wants you. It's all about the fit. Yes, absolutely. At the professional level.
0: Up next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU baseball coach Mike Littlewood discusses the Bat-Cats trying to turn things around after last night's loss. A Doubleheader today.
2: BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Tecano's Brazilian Grill. Escape the Ordinary.
0: Welcome back, sports friends. On a Friday, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard hanging out in Radio Vision, live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere. We just spoke with Bleacher Report NFL draft analyst Connor Rogers, who has paid very close attention to Jamal Williams. In fact, wrote an article about Jamal before he really hit a lot of NFL radars in October, saying this is the guy everybody should be paying attention to, that nobody really is. Where does he think Jamal Williams will be drafted and what team would
1: be the best fit for Jay Swag Daddy download the podcast to hear all of that. Yeah, in fact, you can now get BYU Sports Nation's podcast on Google Play as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Refreshing today's BYUSN headlines, BYU
0: football in day 6 of spring practice, assistant head coach Ed Lamb joined us yesterday on BYU Sports Nation and said the team is focusing on improvement in two areas.
3: We're striving for technical mastery and scheme mastery. And that, you
0: know, by striving, I mean we're trying to improve in those two areas. One week from today, BYU will hold a public practice in St. George, Utah.
1: BYU baseball lost ten to eight last night against UC Santa Barbara in the home opener. The Batcats play a doubleheader against the Gauchos today. First game at four p.m. Eastern time. Second game at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. The head coach of the Batcats, Mike Littlewood, will join us in mere seconds.
0: Third-ranked men's volleyball plays in Malibu against ninth-ranked Pepperdine tonight, ten p.m. Eastern. First serve goes out. The waves are coming off a bye week. They've lost four of their last five and
1: now dealing with powerhouse BYU. In the first of two final home meets for gymnastics, the team will host Arizona tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time. On the show yesterday, freshman star Shannon Hortman said the BYU Gymnastics showed that they can perform not just in practice, but also in the meets. Yes, she also in called our... workout.
2: workout... Oh.
0: Go ahead. I cut I cut off Shannon. I, cu- I cut her off. In <laughs>
2: workout, we're incredible. We hit and we stick, and then when it comes to competition, it doesn't really show, so I think it was really exciting to be able to Show my teammates that, like, you guys are good enough. We are good enough. Yeah. This is, this is what BYU Gymnastics really looks like.
0: And what I was going to say before that false start, Jason, is she called our matching BYU baseball shirts cute.
1: Super, no, <laughs> super cute. They were super cute. If we're going to embrace the compliment slash jab... We're going to go fully. It was super cute. <laughs> super cute. Yes. All right. You can watch the Knights Meet live on BYUtv. You can also stream it on BYUtv.org as well as the apps. Joining us now in Studio B, as
0: promised just moments ago by Jason Shepard, is the head baseball coach, Mike Littlewood. Mike, welcome back
4: to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me after a 4-7 and seven start. That's nice. It's instead of saying, wait till you're 500 at least, and then you can come in. So. Yeah, you've got to earn your way in. <laughs>
0: yeah. Listen, we were just talking during the break. I, I've got my BYU baseball watch on. Shep's got his BYU baseball t-shirt. You're obviously the baseball coach. We're, we're trying to ramp this thing up karma-wise. Love it.
4: Yeah, I love it. To help you guys get going. Oh, well, i got my BYU baseball shirt on. Yeah, okay.
0: Here. Now, specifically for Jason, we would like to give some of the karma to him, yes. too, because he's throwing out the first pitch tonight. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah, see, now, coach. Clear the stands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I. This is a this is a serious question I am about to ask you. I would as soon as I'm off the air for this show today, I would love the opportunity to come over and practice throwing <laughs> off the mound. Are
4: you okay if I immediately come over to the ballpark? I'm good with that. Okay, yeah. good. Because we'll, we'll put a mat up on the mound and. Uh- <laughs> Get somebody out there to, to yeah. help catch. I, I cannot mess this up.
1: I I like you guys too much. I am around you far too much uh, uh, to not have a good showing. Oh, you showing. wear it. If it's because not I will show, hear about it, you will wear it
4: forever. It. Yeah, no doubt. So,
0: also, we're going to have cameras rolling, and we're going to do a pre-throw interview and a post-throw interview. So, so I'm serious. I'm uh, coming over since I'm off the show. I'm coming we'll
4: over. We'll get you hard. loose. We'll get you ready to All go. Right.
0: Very good. <laughs> You've been given the clearance from the head (laughs) coach, Jason. Thank you. Now you better really not mess up. I know. Seriously. Seriously. If you're going to practice from the mound, it's got to happen. Yeah.
1: I was telling him, I had my 14-year-old son when I got back from the baseball game last night at like 9.30. It's pitch black. I told my son, get your glove. We're going (laughs) to the backyard. And I'm like measuring it out.
4: (laughs) 60 feet? 6 inches? Are you going to go all the way to the mound or are you going to kind of cheat it and come down lower?
1: I don't know. What's... I mean, well, do- I,
4: I mean, I would go to the mound if I were you. If you don't want to take it from the team, okay. All
1: right, then I'm going yeah. to the mound. Yeah, you got to be go on the mound. mound. That's yeah.
4: it. Go to the rubber. Kay.
0: You're the Peter Gammons of BYU baseball. You it's need true. to go to the mound, Jason.
1: All right, you <laughs> Tim Kirchner,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike Littlewood, head baseball coach with us in studio B. Obviously, you never like to lose. Tough loss last night, ten to eight against uh, a good UC Santa Barbara baseball program, and it's kind of been this theme of right there, but not quite all season. So. I mean, how would you assess the first 11 games for BYU Baseball?
4: Well, just like you did. Um, we've we've lost seven tough games, and um, it's time that we stop saying that we're close, and, hey, we, we really battled today. And I told the team, I kind of got into them a little bit last night, that I don't feel like we compete as a, as a team for nine innings. I just feel like we take pitches off, at-bats off, maybe an inning or two off. You'll see games where... The second, third, and fourth, they just go boom, boom, boom. And we haven't been productive at all on the pitching side or the offensive side. And, uh, you know, that, that ends up kind of – last night we throw the ball around a little bit, which doesn't – it's not really how we play. I mean, we're, we're usually pr- pretty solid that way. And so you add those things up, just the small things, and they end up being a big thing, and it ends up turning into a one or 2 two run loss. But what I love is the potential and where we're at. What you hate is the worst thing in sports is to say you're an underachieving team. And right now, that's what we are. Uh, we're un- underachieving many individuals and, and as a whole. Uh, but they're they're mature guys. They're older guys. They're going to turn it around. Um, but it's going to have to be them. You know, I, I'm just I told them I'm I'm hoping we finish this year like we started last year, and uh, that's that's our potential for sure to win the West Coast Conference. I mean, that's we have a team that's built to do that
1: because of the way the success of last year. Do you think that the team? Is feeling more pressure this year because the start has not been the same?
4: Yeah, I've never really thought about that in, until uh, until now. I mean, I think maybe that, that there's a little bit of that. Um, I think losing Brennan Lund and Eric Urey and Hayden Nielsen from last year, just and, and obviously Mike Rucker was was big for us. But those guys brought a certain energy that they they just wouldn't allow anyone else on the team to not play up to expectation. And right now we're just cruising a little bit. You know, Tanner Chauncey, Brennan Anderson, and Bronson Larson are our captains and. Uh, frankly, it's time for those guys to step up and kind of take charge of this team and, and get us rolling a little bit uh, because coach always talks to you. You know, coach, the coaches always try to pump you up and, and get you going. And um, you've, you've mentioned before, our energy is great at practice. I mean, there's nothing, nothing negative about the energy or whatever, but um, you, you can't just – that's all, like, talk. You know, it's, it's all talk. What matters is when you go on the field and how, how hard you compete. Man, we can do a better job of that. What is your team doing well right now? You know, if you talk, like, for me, I, I'm probably more of a cynic than, than uh, just as a person, and so I would say nothing really <laughs> well. <laughs> um, we are, you know, offensively, we're doing a good job offensively, just like last year of, of put, putting pressure on opposing teams. We did a, a nice job against Noah Davis, their, their starter last night. He was a really good pitcher, pitching the World Series. I mean, he's, he's a quality pitcher, and we, we chased him in the sixth or seventh and, and um, did a nice job, and I mean, we put up seven runs last night. What I was disappointed in last night was our, is our relief pitching, and really Maverick Buffo didn't uh, in three starts he has not been able to to kind of lock in his command and, and throw his, throw his fastball curveball or change where he wants to, and that 's really hurt him, so he ends up having to throw the ball down the middle a little bit more when he gets behind accounts and, counts. and uh, teams like Santa Barbara will just make you pay for that uh, and you, we saw it last night, so uh, w- what we 're doing well we 're coming out every day ready to play we don 't have to prod him to get ready to play. Uh, They're playing with energy, but uh, I think we just need to lock in and focus up just a little bit more on on all the little parts of the game.
1: You and I have talked a lot about the play of Brock Hale, who's the starting right fielder, and boy, does he continue to shine. Leading the team in batting average at 395. He's tied for the home run lead with three, hit another one yesterday to get you on the board uh, in that second inning. How much of his performance did you expect?
4: Well, it's funny. Last year if you remember um, when we had, when Kyle's injury came about, we put Brock in first. He he got the first opportunity. And he had a couple anxious at-bats. He just got off a mission, had never, hadn't been in that role, um, was swinging at some pitches out of the zone. And I just didn't like the feel of his at-bats. I knew his potential. We all knew his potential because he, he's got, he's, he's like a five-tool player. I mean, he can do it all. So we put Keaton Kringlin in there and you know, the rest, the, the history is written. West Coast Keaton.
0: Conference Freshman of the
4: Year. He just took off and never looked back. And so Brock really didn't get another chance because the other outfielders were Brennan Lund and Eric Urey. So Keaton got it. He went. Uh, but I'd always want to talk about Brock last year and people go, "Well, what about Keaton? You know, and which is understandable. So we knew what Brock could do. Um, he's been our most consistent hitter. Uh, he started in the sixth hole and now he's moved up to the to the cleanup spot. He's a guy who doesn't overthink things. See the ball, hit the ball, run to second base. You know, I mean, he keeps it that simple, and so uh, we knew his potential, um, and he's he's living up to expectations, of probably a little bit more.
0: How would you assess your pitching rotation right now? I, I know that in the early part of the season, there's always some finagling, and you, you kind of maneuver some things around just to get it set before you really start and get into conference play, but what what's the pitching rotation like right now?
4: Well, Maverick's been starting uh, our first game, and he needs to clean things up he, and be the starter he can be, be that first guy, kind of like Ruck was last year. Uh, Brady Corliss has been our best guy. I mean, he's got a 1.89 ERA. And he goes today. He goes today in game one, seven-inning game um, at 2 o'clock uh, mountain time. Uh, but he's he's been – He's exceeded expectations. I mean, I'm really proud of Brady the way he, he had, had to sit out last year with some academic issues. He's got himself back on track. He's, he's gotten married in the last year. It's been a big year for him, and um, I was hoping baseball was still a priority for him, and, and it's evident that it is. He's, he's done a great job. Hayden Rogers, lefty who got hurt last year, one of our many, many pitchers that got hurt, is back. Um, he'll start game two today, and then Kendall Motes, who was also hurt, had some bone chips taken out of his shoulder, or elbow last year. He'll, he'll start tomorrow, and so – you know, Kendall's an 80, 87, 89 guy, a couple pitches for strikes. Command is sometimes his issue. And as a hobby, he likes to code. He likes to write apps. And so that's kind of a nice little, <laughs> little thing. So once in a while, you might see him in the dugout behind the garbage can, like trying to code some stuff. And so, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he's. Um, I, I feel good about that. Connor Williams, we put him in in relief the other day, and he was 94, 95, totally different than his start. And he, I mean, Bakersfield did not have a chance to even foul a ball off. He was He was outstanding. So... Jordan Woods coming back from injury. So we, we like it. Maybe we're 90% in the pen. But overall, our, our pen guys need to come in and compete. Just say, here it is, hit it, throw quality strikes, and let our defense work. And I, and I think that's kind of the mindset we need to take.
0: Hitting or pitching a bigger concern right now?
4: Um, Timely hitting. Mm. Timely hitting I think is uh, is one of the concerns, and then um, obviously pitching it 's all about pitching at, at this level in, in the big leagues in high school and little league it 's all about pitching if you can if you get guys out you got a good chance to win so my concerns are probably um, in in, a, in many areas but once we, once we get that key hit or two, we're going to be good to go.
0: All right. Uh, one last thing before you go. I want you to put these on. Thank I want you, you to put the blue goggles on. Thank you so much. Give you the full <laughs> measure
4: of the BYU Sports yeah. Nation just, karma. Oh, uh, I was just hoping for this. <laughs> Doesn't the world look better uh, through those, Mike? Yeah. Are they rose? <laughs> no, they're blue. They're blue goggles. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I see some big wins against UC Santa Barbara with yes. the- I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>
0: You've never looked better.
2: And that's saying
4: something because you – Oh, I feel better. That's the thing. You got the
1: swag, man. I want to see you take a screenshot of that and make that your Twitter (laughs) photograph.
4: Thanks for dressing up for me today, by the way, Chef. That's nice of you. (laughs) (laughs) Coach Littlewood's coming. Let's dress up. I'm
1: wearing the the team issue baseball shirt. Bringing the heat. (laughs) Yes.
0: Love it. Mike, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, the silver lining of BYU basketball playing in the NIT. Also, I think we should bring back the screenshot of Mike wearing those blue (laughs) goggles. This is fantastic. Also, your tweets and game day for volleyball and gymnastics, how you can get involved with that. This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: Smile and wave to the people. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
0: Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard live from Studio B on a Friday with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights,
1: including Friday night, on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Gymnastics back at home tonight hosting Arizona at the Smith Fieldhouse. You can catch the broadcast on BYU TV at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Mounting pressure for BYU Gymnastics to
0: post a very good score for their RQS, the regional qualifying score. That is what allows them to have an opportunity in the postseason. They are just barely on the outside looking in. They're essentially on the bubble of the NCAA tournament for women's gymnastics. And the final two meets at home Arizona, Friday, Southern Utah, Monday. Check it out, both live on BYU TV. Our Twitter question today speaking of postseason, about BYU basketball and the silver lining of playing in the National Invitation Tournament. So what is the silver lining of the Cougs playing in the NIT, although it's unofficial right now? It will be official come Sunday. Let's go to the Twitter machine.
2: Tweet, tweet.
0: At Jelly Belly Kelly says, More experience, hopefully including away games, and hopefully enough good moments to help us forget... The St. Mary's
1: game. Hey, that's one of that's one of the reasons I said, this is good. You have an opportunity to erase that. Well, not erase it, but at least get the bad taste out of your mouth. Yeah, not man, let that be the last hurts. game you play of this season. At Twiggy or Stone says,
0: possibly playing Utah, it would really add new meaning to the phrase pay to play. <laughs> Maybe they should take a hint. Paying to play.
1: Currently. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, at Hard8RC. Okay. M- making the U Coach K both pay and play. Yeah. Uh, there's a theme. There's a theme
0: here. In those back to back tweets. At 86WI Cook. Team gets to work together on roles and trusting one another while competing against other teams and hopefully figure it out for next year. And that was one of your big points the springboard for next year. And I made the comparison to our good friends at St. Mary's, who were an NIT team last year. They didn't have a resume for the NCAA tournament. But man, did they show up this year? And it's funny because Jerem Jordan was like, "Why, why all the hype for St. Mary's? They were in the NIT just like BYU last year. They turned the corner this season and are now a projected six seed in the Big Dance. Why can't BYU
1: turn the corner?" Yeah, I mean, th- this there's there's a reason why once you get it. I mean, the goal once you get in the NIT. The goal is to make it to Madison Square Garden. That's and if you can make it to Madison Square, you're you're having an opportunity to play multiple games in late March. In late March, multiple practices. That that part of it, and I, I compared it to how we talk about bowl games. You know, th- those three weeks of practice in between the final regular season game and the bowl game, those things are huge for players, especially for the ones who are coming back the next year. That's three more weeks. To hone your skills. So this that that is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have those extra games and practices. At Nelvin Wilson 7 says the
0: Lone Peak 3 can still win a national championship of sorts. So you're telling me there's a chance.
1: <laughs> Blue goggles on. Yes. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really know. You're not gonna go there? No. No. <laughs> Expectations. At V Ball, Josh, our season was saved
0: after the Zags win loss after the St. lost after the Mar- St. Mary's loss, but could be saved again after potentially beating Utah. The roller coaster ride of BYU basketball, Cougar Whip up next, including game day for several BYU programs. How and where you need to be involved.
2: BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most.
0: It's a Friday show, and it wouldn't be a Friday show without some pure hilarity and juvenile hijinks. Brought to you in the form of tube socks and underwear for <laughs> little kids, and when it becomes not okay. <laughs> also, Mike Littlewood ribbing uh, Jason Shepherd for dressing up for him.
1: I thought that on I game was, day. I thought I was. Uh, I thought I was. You know, like impressing him, wearing <laughs> the, my team issued Thanks. shirt. Thanks for dressing up, Jason. Hey, what should we do right now? Uh, I believe we should whip it. Okay.
2: It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU football
1: continues with spring practice. It is day six today. A week from today, BYU will be holding a public practice in St. George, Utah. Baseball. Baseball.
0: Lost 10-8 to 8 against UC Santa Barbara in their home opener last night. The Batcats play a doubleheader against the Gauchos today. 4 p.m. Eastern, 7-inning game, and 7.30 p.m. Eastern,
1: both on BYU Radio. Volleyball. Third ranked men's volleyball plays in Malibu against ninth ranked Pepperdine tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. The Waves coming off a bye week. They've also lost four of their last five matches.
2: Gymnastics.
1: Final two home
0: meets for BYU Gymnastics tonight and Monday. The team will host Arizona Wildcats in the Smithfield House at 9 p.m. Eastern. That meet live on BYU TV. Stream it on BYUTV.org
1: and the apps as well as Monday's meet.
2: Track and Field.
1: Ten Cougars will compete for BYU today and tomorrow in the NCAA Track and Field Indoor Championships in College Station, Texas. Shea Collinsworth currently has the second fastest time in the nation at uh, in the 800, an event that she will compete in this weekend.
0: Softball. Number 25, BYU. Sounds good to have that team ranked. Playing in the Fresno State Invitational this weekend, they will face Fresno State and Sacramento State today in a doubleheader.
1: Tennis. BYU fell to Middle Tennessee yesterday 4-3. Savannah Werovino won both her her single and doubles competition. The Cougars will face Fresno State today.
2: Cougars in the PGA. After the first
0: round of the Valspar Championship, Zach Blair is tied for 41st at 1 under par. He tees off at 1.30 p.m. Eastern for the second round. Daniel Summerhays tied for 73rd at
1: 1 over par. He tees off at 1.08 Eastern. Cougars Overseas. It's a very specific time. Kyle Collinsworth had two steals, two assists, and three rebounds last night for the Texas Legends.
2: Cougars in the Miners.
0: Former Cougar Adam Law went one for two yesterday for the Seattle Mariners as they took on the Chicago Cubs and Jacob Hanneman. Hanneman one for one with an RBI. Jacob Brugman, playing for the Oakland A's, had a walk. Future guests include Steve Cleveland. The PCC, the yes, president but, coach Cleveland. Yes, the
1: classic, when BYU faces Fresno State. <laughs>
0: in, in the, the NIT, NIT, yes. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about BYU's NIT <laughs> uh, potential and bracket once it comes out after the weekend. I love this weekend. It's such a fun weekend for college sports and sports fans in general to get the brackets out. Are you
1: glued to the TV for the whole thing, even though like, the first like, 40 minutes are all just hype? Yeah, once upon a time I, that used to happen. And then, uh, then life kids? happened. Then kids. kids. Yeah, so there you go. Today's
0: Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Helper. The most. DexterLaw.com. Who deserves the Rise and Shout? Oh, um, how about we give it to Jamal Williams? Ah, yes. Jamal Williams as he pushes for the NFL draft. Our Elite Tweet of the Day from Matt Kip Kent. BYU basketball could get hot and go to New York City. Again, could play Utah in a year they didn't want to play us again. Love it. Thanks to all of our guests. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to BYU Baseball.